Hello, everybody. Welcome to a new episode of Dakota Boys Talk Movies. This is Steven. This is Dakota. We are coming to you not live, but kind of live. Because you can, we can be live whenever you want us to be live. We're a live. We are. We're live right now. We're hearing us live. Uh, and we are a live. <laughs> I feel so alive, according to POD. Uh, <laughs> just going to 2002 there. 2001. Man, I'm old. All right. But today we are today we are going to be reviewing the new movie Joker, directed by Todd Phillips and starring Joaquin Phoenix. Among other people. Yes, Zazzy Beats, yes. Robert De Niro, Mark Marin. The first time in history that uh someone who is who has played uh a Superman character has taken on the role of Joker. What? <laughs> yeah, played when, a Superman character? Uh, Joaquin Phoenix played Superboy when he was younger, when he was blonde. Are you kidding me? Yeah. What did he play Superboy in? Uh, they had that old show. You know, they had a few. Uh, I don't know if it was one continuous show. So is this after Space Camp or before <laughs> Space Camp? <laughs> oh, that's a good question. Because uh, let's see, he would have been probably what, like 12 in Space Camp? Okay, it would have been sometime around there then. Crazy. I did not know that yeah. he was Superboy. So what was the show? Superboy? Like, it yeah. was about him? Oh, man. He is... Man, this is the... He's done it. No one. No one's talking about he's, this. He's Alpha and Omega. This is the stuff <laughs> no one's talking about, People, man. this is why you tune in. This is why you tune in to hear us... Well, Dakota, really, with his encyclopedic brain, bring up that... Joaquin Phoenix was Superboy so at some point in the eighties. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh man, was anybody else known like that we would know in that show? Oh God, uh like Peter O'Toole. I think one of the <laughs> Just throwing a name on. the kid from Lost in Space, uh Bill Mummy. I think he was in an episode later on. Wait a minute, am I thinking of Lois and Clark? <laughs> oh, am I thinking of Lois? You might be. I think you're thinking of Lois and Clark because oh, you're right. I think he built. Yeah. Because is he the guy who is, because uh, who plays Perry White? I do not remember. In I, Lois and Clark. I barely remember anything from that show. I just, I remember how it ended. Because you find out that they have, they have a kid. At the they end. have a baby. Yeah. And yeah. That's just ends. Yeah. Lois and Clark. <laughs> I just remember being like, young and being like, that woman is very pretty. <laughs> Terry Hatcher. <laughs> she was. Yes, yes, she was. Oh, man. But tonight um, we are not talking about just happy-go-lucky TV shows or little kids on TV. We're talking about a very uh, dark, kind of sad. <laughs> w- how would you describe this movie, Dakota? Like, it's her, like oh, I want man. you to describe this movie in one word. Depressing? <laughs> <laughs> that about does it. And I'm not saying I'm not saying it's a bad movie. It's just this is not whatever the feel. This is the feel bad movie of the year. Yeah, it's the feel bad movie of the year, but not necessarily like. I mean, if you know what you're going in for, it's not feel bad in the sense where like like a stomach ache or something. It's like feel bad is in terms of like, wow, that was that was really depressing. But you're you kind of still respect the craft. Yeah, of what they did in this movie. 
people are comparing this, of course, to Taxi Driver and the King of Comedy. Which oh, this is one hundred percent the King of Comedy. <laughs> I, as someone who just watched the King of Comedy for the first time just in the past couple of years, this is pretty close to the King of Comedy. Yeah, it's <laughs> um, a comparison I kind of had with this movie and another one more recent Monster. Okay. They kind of felt like they were more in that same vein, which uh, Monster probably darker because it's based on something that actually happened. Yeah, you might want to describe Monster for people who don't remember that movie. Um, It's basically about a down-and-out woman. She's like a Florida woman? Yeah, she was living in Florida. uh, Commonly referred to as like the first serial killer, but she's not. Um, Well, is it because she was a woman? Because it was like a true story, and then what was it? Charlize Theron played her. Yes, and she got the Oscar because she quote-unquote got ugly, but she did a really <laughs> good job in just acting in the movie, and that's why she. That's really why she got it. Yeah. It's okay. not like Nicole Kidman where she put on that big nose and was like <laughs> prancing around and got her Oscar. <laughs> yes. That's um, right, Nicole. I just called you out. She <laughs> played basically a Florida white trash who kill, ooh, 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 ooh. kills men. Well, she was a yeah, um, definitely, definitely an example of. Oh, I don't know. I I don't want to say this, but uh, she I think she got pushed to the brink. She wasn't a very stable woman in the first place, and well, and that's what's interesting about this movie. This movie, since, and you we really have to bring this up just because it it is a, the Joker. It is, you know, put out by DC, obviously, since they own that character. That this causes you to wonder, did it matter if I know the origin of the Joker? <laughs> you know? And I get, and I think that's why you almost have to think of this just kind of separately. Because when I think about this Joker in terms of if this were the Joker in an actual Batman movie, Batman would have this Joker taken care of in about five minutes. Yeah, um, he, I mean, he's not very good at being a mastermind criminal. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, something I'm going to save for the end, but there are some uh, uh, kind of rumors going around that they're going to try to shoehorn this Joker into that Robin Pattinson Batman movie that's coming but out. But that's what I'm saying. It wouldn't work. Yeah. Because this guy... But... I mean, we, we're we obviously going to talk about things that are going to matter. If you care about the, seeing this movie, you might want to wait to listen to this because we're obviously... You can't really talk about this movie without bringing up certain key plot points. Yeah. But it's kind of a thing where it's like, most of the time, he's just kind of like stumbling lucky <laughs> yeah. with the things that happened to him. Or maybe it's because it's the 80s. People don't care as much. <laughs> With the things that are going on, um, the movie is obviously uh, kind of like trying to take us back to almost like New York in the eighties. When the New York in the eighties isn't New York now, yeah, it was a very dangerous place to be. Actually, if you were on the streets, and there was actually streetwalkers walking around Times Square, you won't see that now. But, you know, you saw people selling drugs, like I said, the streetwalkers, uh, people doing drugs literally on the street, just sitting there, you know, with the their little lighter and their spoon. But, yeah, very yeah, good. Yeah, well, and that's what's weird about this movie is that, like, they kept calling it Gotham City, but I think they felt like they had to keep throwing in that it was Gotham City because your mind kept making it just be 
80s New York. Yeah. And then just the fact that there was garbage strike going on in the movie. I mean, it's like, I remember, I can think of, you know, a handful of movies I saw from like that period of 70s and 80s where they would they would incorporate the garbage strike things going on in New York. And so, I mean, it just feels like we were just in Brooklyn or something yeah. This for this movie. And so, which made it kind of interesting in that way too. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Let's just, I guess, let's just on the level. Let's talk about some of the performances in the movie. You know, obviously, starting at top, Joaquin Phoenix. What do you think in there, Dakota? Oh man, he was actually really good in this. Um, uh, he, I think he's always usually really good in anything he does. He always, I mean, most things he's in, he's pretty much putting his all into it. Yeah, I really liked the last movie he was in, which was uh, You Were Never Really Here, mm-hmm. which I think is actually a darker movie than this one. Probably. Just yeah. just putting that out there for anyone who's like, I want to see what else Joaquin Phoenix has done lately. Yeah, you could almost call that like an audition yeah. for this. <laughs> oh, he lives with his mom in that one too, and she's also mentally mm. ill. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and... Yeah, obviously, again, uh, he, I don't know, it's, you know, it's almost like when he decided he was going to be crazy for a while in real life, <laughs> it's like, I think that's what makes it so easy to kind of for him to fall into these roles, because like he kind of decided just for fun, he was going to live it in real life for a while. <laughs> yeah. And so maybe that helps him with with coming into a role like this. But I th- what I thought was funny was how even when he wasn't dressed like a clown, he kind of always had a clown walk <laughs> yeah. and run. He was always like kind of whenever he ran, you would hear his feet slapping. You know, I think yeah. and I think maybe I was trying to notice and I I feel like the costume designer gave him like he was always wearing shoes that were too big, even when he wasn't wearing clown shoes. Yeah. Cuz there was a few times when he was walking where I'm like his feet seem a little longer, but it's not clown shoes. And I feel like they did it on purpose. And maybe Joaquin wanted to be like that to always kind of, he may have a certain character trait, so to speak, besides the disorder he has, which I, how did you feel about the whole disorder thing where he would just uncontrollably start laughing? Uh, Supposing that is, is it's supposed to be a real thing. People just laugh uncontrollably in these moments where they, uh, they otherwise normally wouldn't. Uh, I think the movie kind of took it to like a next level, though. Sure, and just like kind of exacerbated the whole situation. But yeah, yeah there is there is a real uh, I don't know psychological disorder though that does cause people to laugh uncontrollably. Um, I've heard people refer to it as laughing Tourette's, which in, is kind of it's kind of how it felt in this movie. Yeah. Yep. And then, I don't know, who would you say would be maybe the next star of this movie after him? It was kind of oh. like, I mean, it was definitely his movie. Yeah. And then he just kind of had people fall in and out of his life through it. Maybe like his mom? Yeah, uh, you could say almost Zazie Beetz' character, but she dropped, She basically disappears for like the last half yeah, of the movie. she's kind of in and out a little bit, uh, and that's what's and that and that's what's kind of interesting. Is you really are on his journey, and and he's kind of an alone. He's an alone person living in his own mind a lot of the time. Yeah, his uh, that scene in the beginning where he he imagines he's on at the. Uh, 
the showing of the the talk show and mm. he he uh Robert De Niro's character invites him down it's it's like man I was sitting there watching this I'm like you really have to be pretty far gone to get to this point and it's it's kind of sad and at the same time just a little a little pathetic yeah it, yeah and that's the thing where it's like uh is this should I be frightened that he's this far gone or or yeah or is this like is this frightening and disturbing or is this just sad you know and i feel like that's how the first part of this movie always felt like like it's like oh you know he's not he's not so frightening he's kind of more just sad like kind of a sad pathetic person but then there's the spike in the movie that happens where he becomes more of the joker character that you know where it's just like just wild just frenetic moments of just complete bursting of violence and then just kind of like back to normal well, that's that's the joker yeah. i mean one kind of joker obviously not the caesar romero joker oh yeah but a, a certain joker that is seen in in some of the comic uh series would be like that where it would just be like he would seem all fun and games, and then all of a sudden there would just be like a burst of violence, and then kind of joking it off. Yeah. And you could see that Todd Phillips was trying to incorporate that kind of Joker more than just the silly laughing one that you would have seen in like the animated series, Cesar Romero, where it's like they never really killed anybody. Yeah. It was more just like, <laughs> ooh, are they good? You know, like, I'm just going to cause mayhem and things like that. Uh yeah, Robert De Niro played uh the talk show. It was kind of the the Johnny Carson I suppose would be, you know, I mean you could tell they what they mostly base it off of would have been Jerry Lewis's character in King of Comedy. Yeah. Uh where he played Jerry Langford in that in King of Comedy. Um you can tell it was mostly based kind of on that again, that homage where I in King of Comedy Robert De Niro was the character who was imagining himself being on the talk show doing a comedy bit. So you could see where there was that mirroring there in those ways. And that was the thing. This movie, I guess, as I was trying to figure out, I was like, was this really an origin of the Joker movie or was this more a movie about someone who is just mentally ill? Uh, I think the answer is both. Yeah, which made it kind of... Kind of bizarre in a way because you're sitting here like you know either way i don't know if i really like it (laughs) because it's like when you're watching an origin of a villain you're not really excited you know like revenge of the sith you're not like excited at the end it's like no darth vader exists you know it's like (laughs) even if you don't like totally how they got him there um, and you know, but if it's a movie about somebody's mentally ill, it's like you know he's being propped up as this like kind of hero to a certain demographic of the community, but it's like no, this is a man who's sick, yeah, and I guess uh, that's what the joker is a little bit, someone who's sick that people get behind it's uh you know you kind of bringing up the whole uh, uh we we didn't really all like how basically Anakin Skywalker went from the way he was into Darth Vader, that transformation. We didn't really like that, but I think the merit of this film is 
by the end of the movie, you're like, yep, this is the Joker. This isn't like, oh, this is just some, uh, I don't know, I didn't I didn't buy the movie at all, you know, but. Yeah, well, like me, what you're getting at is if you would have pulled out the Joker-ness of it and just had it be a guy falling into this, would it have, I guess, what what would it be? If it was just a guy falling into madness, but it wasn't a Joker movie, would you think it would f- have the same sting or care? Um, you know, I'm be we're gonna be real honest here. It it won. It wouldn't got it as much attention before sure. coming out. Um, it would not be breaking the box office records like it is right now. Yeah, probably not. Um, uh, no one would be saying this is the movie of the year because people are. I'm not saying I'm saying that. But no, pe- but you're right. There are people calling it, yeah, best of the year, or um, one of the best, yeah. If this wasn't uh, somehow related to Batman, we would only hear about this movie come Oscar season, because everyone would be like, oh, he's Joaquin Phoenix is a shoe-in for an Academy Award. You would think that, and yet Exhibit A, I would bring up to you, would be Hereditary, Yeah, where you would think Tony Collette would have been a shoe-in, <laughs> yes. but... Did that movie kind of go unnoticed because it was just considered just another horror movie? Would this one have just been considered another depressing, crazy person movie? Oh, yeah. And would people have really given it... Would people have even given it Oscar attention if it wouldn't have had... And and it's weird to think that DC has a prestige, but it definitely has... Uh, it gets people's notice when something has a certain label on it. Yeah. Yeah. Um... And why is it, if that's the case, why is it only the Jokers that seem to get the Oscar attention? <laughs> uh, I'm still holding out for like a good Riddler movie because <laughs> I'm going to be honest with you. Lex Luthor, Joker, I feel like been done too much. Yes. Like, uh, can I at least see Firefly or maybe uh, Condiment King, Kite Man? Come on, so throw me something else. Clayface? Oh, that, that's a dream that I think will never happen. You know, and, though, and the thing is, let's say he got his own movie. Would you make him the dumb version of Clayface where he's kind of dumb? <laughs> or do you make him a little smarter? <laughs> so are you, are you basically asking if he's like uh, Sandman, basically? Yeah, that's true. Well, yeah, because Clayface in some of the comics, he's not the sharpest tool. Yeah, the shit. <laughs> it's, you know, I'd, I'd probably just have him be a thug. Just like some errand boy for like a gang, and he gets these powers, and he just he's a goes wild. He's like, I'm now the king of this block, man. <laughs> this seems like it'd be a DC Universe show. <laughs> you know, we we actually did uh, we did like a episode where we talked about this movie coming out, and I remember thinking like, I hope I hope this opens up a door where they do other things. Like yeah, this. that's right. We did talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> And I think a good one would be Bane. Okay, but do... Directed by Robert Rodriguez. I was going to say, are we going the Hispanic route where he's like the luchador more guy again instead of the... Yeah, I think that'd be... I have a vaguely European accent. (laughs) It's Sean Connery sounding. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, it's just... I don't know. It's just like... There's so much more they could do. I don't know why they... uh, The Joker is great and everything, but I think... Well, I mean... I want you to just close your eyes a second <laughs> and think about when you walk around town and you see the teenagers who look like they don't go in the sun very much. <laughs> Who's on their t-shirt? Is it Bane? 
Clayface or the Joker? I saw Bane one time. <laughs> one time. <laughs> one time, and man. And yet, how many Joker t-shirts do oh, we see? Oh, Dakota. Now I, know, you, now, I need you to be honest for a second. How many Joker t-shirts do uh, you personally uh, own? I own two, I think. Okay. But more than <laughs> one. How many Clayface t-shirts do you own? They don't make any merch for Clayface. See? That's what I was at, and that's why there's all these Joker things. Oh, oh man. man. <laughs> it's uh yeah it's just you know I, we kind of got off topic but back to this movie man i am so impressed with how how sharp this movie looks like the cinematography was 100 percent right and yes. uh, uh something i'm gonna bring up and i hate doing this but i'm gonna i'm going to do it batman v superman they made this money for movie for 200 and Fifty million dollars, but it didn't feel like it was an epic movie in scope. Sure, yeah. But this movie has that feel, like well, you know, you see Gotham City, and like they they brought back all like the cars from the late seventies and well, early and that's the 80s thing and, when you talk about the look at cinematography. This movie felt like it could have been filmed in the eighties. Yes, I mean, it just had that gritty, gross, you know. And I think that's the difference too, is that. With Batman v Superman, you just were always on sets. You could feel you're on you're on a set, you're on a set. This movie was like, you could tell, maybe not 100% filmed on the streets, but a large percentage were filmed on the real streets, I think. you know, Maybe some of the interiors were sets or whatever you want to call it, sound stages. But uh, you really, I mean, it was a lot of just real location, and I think that does a movie like this a lot of a lot of merit because you're not only getting a really well really good performances across the board nobody in this movie is distractingly bad i can't think of one person who really felt like they gave a bad performance in this movie oh no i, I maybe didn't like certain character traits they gave certain people like thomas wayne oh man but or even uh alfred question mark <laughs> i think that was alfred <laughs> but well he was british and i th- I think he was, but he was a butler. He, yeah, he was could, kind of huskier with a beard, though. Could have been, uh, I don't know. It was like Alfred, but Alfred's a UFC fighter instead of like a <laughs> British spy. Uh, but yeah, there was, but again, there was really no bad performances across the board. So when you have just great performances mixed in with, with just that realistic, great look and feel and locations, it's like, it allows you to at least be always in on yeah. the story. And uh, and so the thing I just kind of wrestle with now is that, like, it's hard to say that you liked this story in one sense because then it sounds like you're a psychopath. <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, oh, it's kind of like how I say I really like the movie There Will Be Blood, even though that's a man just descending into madness because of his greed and lust for his lust for... Uh, power and wealth in a sense you know just greed yeah. greed becoming a disease in him that basically leads to his death and demise and i feel like this was in that same vein except this one kind of focused more on how it's coming from a mentally ill look uh place but i think i think here's the thing that bummed me out the most is when i what was hard about this movie was where where were 
where were the helpers? Where were the good people? I want you to tell me one good person that was in this movie. You know, that's the thing. Um, Even when we saw Alfred or Thomas Wayne, they weren't they weren't good people. Yeah, it's uh, even. Uh, I don't know if you want to say his psychiatrist because she, she was terrible. Yeah, you. She obviously didn't care, and um, she has that little moment where she's like, "They don't care about you. They don't care about me." But I feel like even then, it was like. She was more thinking of me. I'm the person here trying to help you. They don't care about me. Yeah, like even in that moment where it's like she's mad that the funny's getting taken away and he's not going to get the help he needs, it was kind of more like she was more pissed at the system and that she was losing her job than she really was at the fact that Arthur slash the guy who becomes Joker is really losing the help he desperately needs. Yeah. You know... And um, and so, yeah, it's like and that was I think that was my biggest struggle is like I didn't see one. There wasn't one light in this whole city that we saw. And you could argue that was well, because you're only seeing it from one guy's perspective in one part of the neighborhood. And I get that. But at the same time, they still broadened this movie out enough where you were seeing a larger portion and even the people who traditionally you would consider maybe lights, like Thomas Wayne has always been this person who was like wanted to help Gotham, and they kind of say that, but at the same time, he's just kind of a D-bag. Yeah, he's, uh, uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, Alec Baldwin was actually offered this role. Really? And he turned it down. No, sorry, we should probably clarify, Thomas Wayne as in Bruce Wayne's dad. Yes. I just think, I mean, I'm assuming most of you know that, but just in case. Uh, which I think is an odd choice because he's, he's Alec Baldwin's a little too old to be like and distracting having like a nine year old son at this point. Yeah, um, but no, he turned it down because he thought the character was too similar to his uh, Donald Trump impersonation. <laughs> so I don't I don't know about that. You know, he he turned maybe he doesn't want to get typecast. It's like I'm too old to be getting typecast. I don't want to get typecast as a jerk, even though that's who I am. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, the there are I think a couple decent people in this movie. Um, uh, the I can't remember what he says. He calls himself uh, an assistant or something. The uh, the records guy, the clerk Brian Tyree Henry's character. Um, in the movie, uh, you find out uh, that Arthur's mother Penny was locked away in they call it arkham hospital it's not arkham asylum um so he goes there and asks to see his mother's records and he meets uh he meets this like i said record records keeper uh played by brian tyree henry who's going to be in eternals i was going to say is he the one who played miles morales's dad in into the spider-verse or was the voice i think so a name seems familiar, like I just saw him. Anyway, sorry, go on. But uh, uh, he seemed like, I, I don't know, because he, he straight up tells Arthur, like, you know, there's you could reach out for help, you know, uh, because there's a very awkward moment where, how, how can I say this? Uh, his his crazy shines through yeah, and shines well, pretty bright. It's in, it's in the part of the movie where he's kind of already crossed over. Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, 
but yeah, he he was like one of these guys, the uh, the little person. I think his name was Gale. Oh, um, from his uh, the clown company yes. he worked for. Uh, his, uh, I thought that was interesting that he was in here because, for those of you who don't know, uh, the original like sidekick to the Joker was this little person, and I think his name was like Gagsworth. Okay, but I thought maybe I don't know if I'm like picking at things that aren't there, but I always wondered. I wondered if like that's what that little guy was supposed to represent. Like, you know, Joker breaks out, and he's like, oh, I'm going to go find my friend, and we're going to go tear up the city and <laughs> paint the town red. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, there's 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 no good people in this movie. Even his mother, who, God, the, the scene where you, you find out what happened to him as a child, I think that hit, like, way harder than I think anything else in this movie. It hits pretty hard. Yeah. Which is saying something, because you see people getting shot in this movie. Yeah. I think... You know, <laughs> it's hard to process this movie, and I think part of it is maybe it's just where the age I'm at now. But I'm always putting like things like this into like my perspective and how I look at the world I live in and the people I interact with. And I think a part of me goes, it's good for us to remember that even the the people who we consider the darkest people are still just humans who got for whatever reason pushed to the brink you know they're 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 just completely broken you know and in this in this dark state you know for lack of a better term and so i think it's good for us to remember that and but what i worry about is sometimes when they're put into characterizations like this i have mixed feelings about what we're supposed to think about it because i feel like at the end of this we're not supposed to celebrate that he becomes the joker but at the same time it's kind of what it's building toward and then it's like okay I mean, and at the same time, it's like, well, when you go to this movie, what are you expecting? It's not. It's like, what's the what's the happy ending you think is going to be when it's a movie yeah. about the Joker? But at the same time, I think to myself, um, what what am I supposed to do with the information I just saw? You know, and, and so I guess my, I guess the one thing I could take away is that it's good for us to be reminded that the people we around us who we still maybe demonize can demonize the most because of the things they do are still just a broken human being. And maybe that's a good thing to be reminded of. Did yeah. I need that? Did I need this movie to remind me of that? Not necessarily, but I think it is good to be reminded of that. <laughs> yeah, very true. And so, I mean, but like I said, it is, I think it's just like one of the hardest things for me with a movie like this is like when there's just no protagonist, like the protagonist of this movie was evil. Yeah. <laughs> like, like the protagonist was evil and the victim in this movie was Arthur Fleck yeah. who becomes Joker. And so 
it just kind of makes it I don't know. It's interesting. But like at the same time it's like it's not a bad movie. It's just that the subject matter is going to be pretty hard for some people. I really think that's why kind of critics are lashing out at this movie because it's it's showing something that we've kind of lied to ourselves about a little bit in the last 20 years and that's everyone matters. Mm. Uh you know, if you're gay, that's great. Uh you know, if you're black, that's amazing. You know, everyone here's mad. Everyone matters. Everyone has something special about them. Mm-hmm. And this movie is just a bit, kind of flat out is like the only ones that matter are the the rich. Everyone else who's at yeah. the bottom, it, you know. And that's and that's something we haven't got into either. And part of it is you could say, well, it's the setting of this movie, the '80s, which is yeah. like what Ameri- the American Psycho is like a satire of. How the 80s were just like this pinnacle of just the rich living high. (laughs) Yeah. Cocaine was everywhere. The rich people were just rich. and But then the poor people were very poor. You know, that it was when it was when America was feeling what a lot of other countries of the world just always have, (laughs) where you have the very rich and the very poor and the kind of climax of this movie is when Arthur commits the first his first murder and it's three guys who were being just complete jerks they're basically borderline harassing a woman can we bring up the fact that one of them looked like Trump's son I noticed that a little <laughs> bit too I thought that was kind of lame but and I, I think know. it's just that slick back hair look but uh they're borderline harassing this woman. Maybe even would have taken it a little further. You could, you could assume if Arthur wouldn't have broken into one of his laughing attacks, which made everybody feel uncomfortable, but then caused these three, like you could tell, they were well to do. They were dressed in suits, out living it up one evening, I guess, after working at the stock market, whatever. Who knows? <laughs> and uh, then they just decide to beat the crap out of him. And then at this point, Arthur has a gun, and then he just shoots them all. And then the media, when they get a hold of it, it's just immediately turned into um, these three decent citizens of the city were killed, you know, and they're trying to find this person. And he was wearing clown makeup at the time, so it's like a clown killed them. You know, who's this clown? And Arthur's seeing it as those guys were terrible jerks. Who deserve to die. Yeah. And this is where I think... And this is where... What I'm talking about... And I guess the disclaimer for what I'm saying is... I'm, I'm, I, I under, there has to be justice for wrongs. There has to be justice, obviously. But I think this is where what I'm saying could come into play here. Where it's like... Both sides are a little... Are right. And I think how both sides are right... Is that everybody was doing wrong. <laughs> oh, yeah. Those guys were doing wrong. You could argue maybe that Arthur did the wrongest of wrong because he murdered, you know, <laughs> yeah, obviously. I mean, that's a valid argument. But that um, every every side of this had a reason you could argue was like, oh, that's a good point. But also we're doing a lot of 
things that were not valid. And I guess, and I guess that's where it's just really messy, but that's the world. The world is just messy, you know? And, and obviously the problem with absolute villainy is that they're always doing the wrongest of wrong, (laughs) which is why they are the villains. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, just, uh, but yeah, having this take place in the eighties, I think made that story easier to tell because that was when the rich were really flying and the poor were real poor and there's garbage strikes going on. And so this city was just ripe for someone like her. And that's what was interesting in this movie too, is having the whole city embrace what he did and everyone's dressing up as clowns and riding in the streets. But they just made it seem like in this movie that the, practically the whole city was on Arthur's side. And it's like, would that much, and I don't know, but at the same time, people probably would in one sense, especially in a place like Gotham, which in the comic book world is always considered one of the scummiest places Oh yeah, in the whole DC universe. And so maybe. Yeah, I think even in... This uh, town needs Batman <laughs> is what's yeah. going on. <laughs> um, yeah, something about that scene, though, and the the Wall Street guys jump him uh-huh something that kind of ruins that scene a little bit is when the one starts singing show tunes to him yeah really really <laughs> remembered the words to send in the clowns like good, yeah. wow good for you and it's like oh it's just it's kind of a, a, just a little bit of a disconnect there it's yeah like, why does this dude just singing show tunes at me yeah and that's and the other thing with that scene too is it's like if arthur wouldn't have shot them when he did were those guys going to just beat him to death? I mean, that's the other thing we didn't know because they were just like wailing on him. And so, and that's what I'm saying. It's like messy because it's like, okay, your murder's never right. But I think in Arthur's, in Arthur's head, he was defending himself slash they were people that were ruining the society around him and you know in in his mind and things like that and so it's like there's always this justification which is kind of interesting because the joker's always been one and i feel like that's where they had his character eventually get to like by the time you get to the cu- the culmination at the end is it's like what he's doing is for isn't for any reason he just gets to a point where He's just doing things to do things, kind of being more the classic Joker. Like he's like, I'm not involved in any politics. I, you know, I, and I just, you know, the the chaos, the Joker chaos, kind of yeah. comes more into into fullness as the movie goes on. You know, where it starts is him turning the plate from being victim to perpetrator, I guess, <laughs> and then. Uh, just becoming chaos and mayhem and disturbed <laughs> to the fullest. Um, but at the same time, yeah, it's just like, uh, and I guess just to look at it from a more shallow point of view, are we really okay that the Joker's just basically a mentally ill person? <laughs> Is that, <laughs> I mean, Oh God. But I guess it's... what else would the Joker be? I mean, obviously just the Joker would ha- would have to have a mental illness. Um, yeah, this movie it's uh, 
you know, there's kind of different types of jokers, though. That's a thing. There always have been. That's true. Uh, you got the clown, clown prince of crime, which Jack Nicholson's character was more, uh, more in line with. You had, you know, the ace of knaves. You know, the the kind of trickster like Heath Ledger's was. Uh, whatever the hell Jared Leto was trying to do. Mob boss, I guess. <laughs> no. Well, and then I feel like if you go back to like a Cesar Romero type or even Jack Nicholson to a certain extent, it's like murder wasn't the name of their game. Their game was just robbery and mayhem. Yeah. You know, and maybe there were times when they're like, they'd set traps for Batman and Robin. <laughs> but it's like, it was always done in a way where the Joker always seemed like he knew Batman was going to get out. <laughs> you know? It's like, I'm going to put you in this trap so that you'll die. But at the bottom, and you know, in the back of his mind, the Joker, I think, always knew Batman was going to get out. Because, I mean, come on. It's Batman. He's going to get out. <laughs> Maybe the Joker wanted Batman to get out all the time. <laughs> Who knows? Oh, I, th- I found this to be funny. There were two different Batman homages in this movie. They show Bruce playing in his yard. He slides down a pole. <laughs> yeah. First, he slides down a pole. Adam West... He's wearing a turtleneck. <laughs> Michael Keaton. Yeah. Oh, God. I noticed that, too. Oh, I, was... I thought that was funny. I'm like, oh, my gosh. They had him slide down a pole, and he's wearing a turtleneck. Nice double homage there. Yeah. It's uh, it's crazy. Uh, I mean, there's there there was a few others I picked up on. Uh, Amusement Mile. There's ads for Amusement Mile, which is uh, traditionally where Joker's hangout is. It was used a lot in the Batman animated series. Oh, okay. Yeah. And the Arkham games, um, might be even in birds of prey judging by (laughs) judging by some of the things from the trailer and the hyenas are in it, (laughs) which I think is kind of funny. Yeah. But, uh, it's just, there were so many little nods to things. Yeah. But I, I really feel like the only way that this really truly works is if it's not connected to anything else. Yeah. I think once you, once you try to connect this Joker to any Batman, he doesn't work. He yeah. just he just doesn't. Um Yeah. Uh I think the only way it would if this was in like a more grounded version of uh Christopher Nolan's Batman world where the Batman was just like really stripped down almost like he was originally where, you know, he, he wore like a costume <laughs> and he had like a bulletproof vest on underneath, but that was really it. And, uh, yeah, he had batarangs, but not really any, any of his other gadgets. Yeah. Like he's like, yeah, kind of more gadgetless. Maybe just has like one weapon thing. He uses. <laughs> yeah. But I don't think anyone would be interested in seeing that. No. Yeah. No, I don't think so. I mean, Someone would be, but probably not enough. Yeah. I mean, hell, a lot of us were excited to see a Ben Affleck Batman movie, and that's not ever happening. Ever. Give up your dreams, people. <laughs> yeah. Ben doesn't want to do it even. Yeah. So. Unfortunately. Uh, plus, what's the... Why Why did they ever think rebooting and starting fresh with a Batman <laughs> when he's already, like, pushing 50? I don't know. That, that just felt weird anyway. Yeah, it was kind of like when all of a sudden three Jan- three Daniel Craig James Bonds in, they're saying uh, they're all of a sudden making him James Bond. Like Skyfall just felt like it was an origin story. Yeah, but it's like well, this is his third movie. How? Why is this all of a sudden an origin story when you're three movies in? <laughs> I don't understand it. It's uh... just uh, and so yeah, there's just type of those type of thing. And 
And that's the thing. It's like this was an origin story for the Joker, but not one that really works in a Batman world, even though they had Bruce Wayne in this and stuff. I think you're better off just picturing in your mind what you think that looks like. I just don't think it would. There's no way to make it work on screen well. Yeah. Should we should we spoil the ending for everybody? Well, I mean, we said they're spoilers, and so I mean, we can go as far as we <laughs> yeah. want to. Yeah. Um, and I just want to bring this up because it bothers me. It's like, did we really need to see the Waynes die again? <sighs> <laughs> the minute it started up at the marquee and Zorro was up there and stuff, and I'm like, are you kidding me? And then you see them walk out, and I'm like, oh, okay, they're just going to show them walk out. And then it just keeps going. And I'm like, are you kidding me? And then you see the guy with the clown mask and you uh, notice he has a he has a shoulder holster and oh they should have just left it at that. I wish the pearl necklace everything was there. You know I'm gonna throw this out there. Uh can we just like stop with the killing of the Waynes? Like well, how many I... how many Waynes have we seen <laughs> murdered on this screen? And they fit it into, like, every Batman that comes on the scene. It was, see, and that was one thing that Sony figured out. It's like, we can, we can stop killing Uncle Ben. You know, <laughs> we can finally just stop killing Uncle Ben. How, do, how does the quote go from uh, that SpongeBob episode? How many times we got to teach you this lesson, old man? <laughs> Wait, what? I don't remember that. Yeah, you know. <laughs> Some uh, someone out there, come on, who's a SpongeBob fan? You know what I'm talking I mean, I about. Am, I am a SpongeBob fan, so that's why I'm ashamed <laughs> I don't remember this. But yeah, it's like, oh man, and just throwing this out there, this is probably the the least good looking Martha and Thomas Wayne we've seen murdered. They kind of seem kind of just a little too old to be having a little boy. Well, and that's the thing. That's why when you said Alec Baldwin's too old, I'm like, yeah, but Brett Cullen is probably about Alec Baldwin's age. Yeah, I mean, Brett Cullen's been around for a while too. Um. But I'm always happy to see. I'm always happy to see him. I like him in a lot of different TV shows, mostly that I've seen him in. So uh, I'm just gonna bring this up. Uh, there was a severe touch of irony in this movie in the bathroom scene at the at the uh, the rich people event. <laughs> and do you want to spoil it for people? <laughs> uh, what's what do you what do you think was the touch of irony there when he punches arthur oh when yeah Thomas Wayne when, punches arthur in the face that's what i thought maybe you meant yeah he's like you ever ever touch my kid again i'll kill you and yeah. it's like what? well that's what i'm saying it's like it's like there was fine there was a few moments where they could have given thomas wayne like he does i mean obviously he doesn't have to be perfect but it's like where you could have given him maybe a glimpse of that philanthropist and someone who really cares about the city that we know, and it's like, nope, just punches him in the face and says, don't t- touch my kid, or something, you know, and it's like, okay. <laughs> but I don't know, it's the 80s, man. Nothing was good. <laughs> I guess. I don't know. Uh, I was born in the 80s, but it's about it's all I know. I'm going to be glad I... I- I spent most of it as a child. <laughs> I could not handle the fashion at the time. I spent most of it as a toddler. So, well, you did too. We were born in the same year. Yeah. So, uh, we were '90s kids. That's when we were really flying high. Oh yeah, man. Man, you could do whatever you wanted. Man, it's the '90s. You could put together whatever color combinations of fluorescent you wanted. Bill Clinton was just living large as the president. 
someone uh, bothered you, you could call them the F word and not get in trouble. Yeah. Oh, man. I, it was a different time, people. I'm sorry. Maybe it's okay we lost that. <laughs> but, yeah, so... Uh, how how do we want to rate this movie? Oh, like, man. I, it's it's a tough one to rate. I feel like I have to give it two ratings. <laughs> I just... Like, just as, like, a cinematic experience, I would rate it a little higher than the actual me processing the whole what they were what the whole movie kind of led to <laughs> uh for origin movies i guess this is original <laughs> i know we we're kind of i think the audience is kind of sick of like these origin stories like i think wonder woman was okay but oh man i'm gonna be honest with you if we had one more spider-man origin story you know i'd probably just wouldn't even watch it yeah well i think as i'm saying i think sony finally got smart you know with how they did homecoming and and i mean i'm sure a bunch of people would be like well it's because of kevin feige or whatever but i don't know if you talk to kevin feige he still makes it sound like sony had most of control over that movie and so either way however it worked yeah they it was it was a good idea where it was like he was still kind of a fresh new superhero, but you didn't have to see it from the beginning. So, uh, yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, I guess in terms of that, I mean, I, you know, villain origins are always tricky. You know, and then that, that's what was tricky with uh, Star Wars prequels. You know, I think that's what was tricky about getting movies like Magneto off the ground. Because there was so many, how many years was like they were going to make a Magneto movie? And sometimes I feel like they just didn't know how to do it where people would be terribly interested. And so yeah. I think with this one, I think why Warner Brothers, probably Greenlight, with this one is that Todd Phillips had kind of a vision for how to make it work, and it was with a character they knew could be profitable, you know, more so than a Magneto, even though people know Magneto. He's not quite as profitable as Joker, yeah, well, the thing about Magneto is uh, you did kind of get his origin story in the first X-Men movie. Right. So he was a Holocaust survivor and his And in murdered. X-Men First Class, they touch on it a little bit more, yeah. too. Yeah. But, um... And so I think that I think the easiest maybe with this is just to maybe... Thumbs up, thumbs down. Yeah, maybe thumbs up, thumbs down. Um... Even that, I give it. A, I, I guess I'd give it a thumbs up because it. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was, it was good. But I. I mean, I would tread with caution. You. You need to know what kind of person you are. Yeah, this is. I said this, Stephen. This is the most uncomic book comic book movie I've seen since Ghost World. Uh, you know the you. A lot of the superhero movies now they're incorporating these jokes. Yeah. Uh, the jokes in this movie are horrible. Purposefully. Yes. Uh, I think the one little bit of comedy they threw in there is it's, ugh, man, it's it's tinged with just a little bit of kind of uh, just horribleness. Because at the end, you know, when he's running back and forth and he's got that guard or orderly chasing him, I'm like, who? Why Why is this little cartoony action here how we end the movie? Yeah, well, he was they, he was completely mad. So. In reality, he'd be tackled by like four guards and they'd beat him to a pulp. And Yeah, right. 
Well, and that's what I'm saying. That's why I don't think this Joker can exist in a Batman world. Because Batman would pulverize this guy. Not uh, kill, of course, unless he's the Ben Affleck Batman. Then he might kill him. <laughs> you know, you know, this movie might have uh, one, one kind of unforeseeable side effect. More of these are going to be made, and not, no. as, not as well. Because <laughs> oh, that's the real bad. Apparently, apparently, there's another one. Uh, I don't think we're going to see probably Joker in any anything else for a while. Well, and I think that's okay. Yeah, I think because like you were. Like uh, you brought up before, uh, it might be time to just maybe not put him to pasture, but at least just give him a rest. Yeah. Um, obviously, he's an interesting character, and he's he's the ultimate Batman villain, but I think it's time for him to just take a break. Yeah. Because, I mean, Batman has a pretty decent rogues gallery, <laughs> and he's the one that always ends up being the hyper-focus of so many so many different things, you know. And so I, I think it is time to just maybe start deciding how we can use some of these other ones, and even ones that have been done in the past but just poorly. Like, I think there's a way to do Mr. Freeze, but well. Because they've I, done it in the comics well. You know, this is what blows me away. They got Tommy Lee Jones, this great actor, to portray Two-Face. Yeah. And it was so just horrible. Yeah, it I, was well. I think he, awful. I think he hated being there, and he hated being with Jim Carrey, and <laughs> it was just all around a bad experience. Like, how how do you take this this actor who's like just an old professional, very serious actor, put him in this role that could have been really compelling, and just ruin it? It's amazing he agreed to do that <laughs> that movie. I honestly, because he doesn't really like to do much that he doesn't. I mean, it's like he must have wanted to do it. Or something originally, at least, and I don't know. Something I learned about uh, reading Marvel and Brando's life story is a certain amount of money they'll they'll just say yes. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, I mean, and that's the thing. It's like sometimes when you're like, man, why is this actor in this thing? And it's like, well, they have mortgages. <laughs> yeah, you know, you gotta. Like, how was it, Morgan Freeman? I better not say it was Morgan Freeman because I don't remember, but. Uh. It was some actor like him, you know, has been around a little while and he was had just was pointing at a few of the movies he had done that were not great. And he was like, yeah, that movie that paid for my house, <laughs> that movie <laughs> paid for a new car, you know, and it's like he was just being honest. It was like, you know, maybe that wasn't my greatest work, but it was a nice paycheck. Yeah. And I mean, it's the thing, you know, there's they're workers. That's their job. So. And I had to think about your job. Not every day is the greatest day of your life. So. Yeah. In a related note, this is probably the best Robert uh, Robert De Niro movie I've seen in a while. Oh yeah, he. <laughs> I, I know it was. It was refreshing to see him good again. Yeah, it's been a while. I feel like for me, it's been practically since the Untouchables. <laughs> it's yeah. I wonder if it was a little daunting for him. Like he's like. Got to dust off the acting chops here yeah, for this Yeah, well, one. and then The Irishman's coming out soon. Apparently, he's good in that. So maybe he's kind of getting back into his, uh, back into the rhythm of some interest. And the other thing, too, is he's, I think he's finally getting some interesting roles. I mean, there for a while, it was like, hey, can you play uh, the father-in-law to Ben Stiller? And can you play a dirty grandpa? You know, it's like, well, those aren't interesting roles. Yeah. Again, he was just cashing a paycheck, I think, on some of those. And so, yeah, he does give a, I mean, 
it's a limited screen role in a sense, but uh, he does a really good job. He does a really good job. But obviously, Joaquin just steals the show. <laughs> yeah. In fact, you just kind of forget it's Joaquin Phoenix. At least I did. Yeah. But he's kind of a chameleon. You wouldn't think a guy like him would be a chameleon because he's very unique looking. But he always is able to just kind of disappear into roles pretty pretty well. Um, yeah. And so I think with that, it's like I think we're both positive on the movie, but we just say tread with caution and understand what you're getting yourself into because it's definitely not for everybody. Yeah, I uh, I keep hearing all these like teenagers talking about going to it, and it's like this is so not a movie for. No, and this is and this is my biggest my biggest cautionary movie. This was be is that when you see people with, po- with especially like that younger demographic with like posters of Taxi Driver and Scarface hanging on their walls, I'm just gonna put this out there: they're not heroes. Those are movies about people who had descended into madness or darkness or Scarface was a drug lord who got addicted on his own product and was crazy. Yeah, when we were... Taxi Driver was about a guy who was mentally ill with post-traumatic stress syndrome who decides to just take the law into his own hands in an unhealthy way. (laughs) Yeah, I remember uh, when we were at college at the time, uh, it was Deer Hunter and... Uh, Reservoir Dogs. I oh. saw those were like the two movies. People were like, "Oh, these are so good." And Deer Hunters, like, what is it? that movie? Is just a Russian roulette movie that makes no sense. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh, some of Christopher Walken's best work, though. I guess, uh, back but before he became Christopher Walken, yeah, and that's yeah. And so that's my uh, that's my little disclaimer is that we need to we need to be mindful of who we're. <laughs> We're deciding is cool. Oh man. Uh but yeah, with that, uh uh nice to be back. Doing some reviews again. Feels good. Feels good. I feel I feel like this was a this was a good little jog kind of back in the game. Um we hope you we hope you enjoyed uh uh having listening to us again and we are you can always subscribe to us on on YouTube, on any of the podcast places you listen. Um, you can like us on Facebook, all those ways to kind of keep up with things. Lately, there's been a ton of trailers getting dropped for just so many different movies that are coming out over the next, you know, really into next summer. And so we try to put a lot of those up on the Facebook page. And so it's our Facebook page is a good page to like just for when we have new stuff, but also we're always just kind of throwing on different movie news, especially trailers and things like that. So we hope you do that. Uh yeah, we have a good, we just have fun doing this. So I think with that we'll close out the show though. So this is Steven. This is Dakota. Take it easy everybody. Yeah.